Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is Sophia Khan, VP of Growth Marketing at Blue Wave Solar. Sophia, hello. It's great to have you on the show. Hi, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Say a few words about Blue Wave Solar and about what you do there. Sure, I'm happy to. Blue Wave is a community solar and project development company. They build large-scale community solar projects, and we also then manage the customers who belong to those projects. Community solar is a type of solar that makes solar energy accessible to people and communities that can't, for example, have really expensive solar panels on their roof. Um, I've been there for about two and a half years. I'm really proud of Blue Wave for being a B Corp. So they really prioritize its impact on people and the planet as well as profit. Um, And I am most grateful right now for Blue Wave for the strong stance that we've taken in the past year on environmental justice, anti-racism, and climate justice in addition to our regular work. Yes, very important. So now also, if you don't mind, share one interesting, even fascinating fact about you that people wouldn't get just from looking at your LinkedIn profile. Yeah, I don't know um, what would be considered fascinating, but I know something unusual about my life is in addition to my work in my career that is related to climate change and the planet, I also do some work in my personal life with um, primarily with an indigenous teacher of mine. Her name is Barbara James Snyder, also known as Ballet Walkway. She is a Washoe Paiute indigenous woman, and she leads a group of us in doing what's considered energetic earth healing work. It's called sacred earth work, but it's meant to um, remove contamination and blocked energy from the earth, particularly in sacred sites. Um, And she and I also do women's healing work together, which is not just for women, but also for what we would call feminine energy in the collective. Mm -hmm. Wow, really interesting. Well, we could do a whole podcast just talking about that, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll save that for another time. So now before we, we dive into our main topic, I just want to ask you two other questions. So first, what audience are in your role as as VP of Growth Marketing? Who's your audience? What audience are you trying to engage? So Blue Wave Solar is both a B2B and a B2C company. And the audiences that typically receive our marketing on the B2B side are, um, there are companies, sometimes they're investors, sometimes they are utility companies that are looking to buy these large-scale community solar projects. So we market to them. Um, and then on the B2C side, we also market, as I mentioned, to customers who join these projects. They're everyday consumers who are just signing up for this service um, to complement their energy supply in their home. It's a discounted source of energy that goes into their utility supply. So there's a B2B element and a B2C element But there's also, um, at a secondary level, we also work with policymakers. We work significantly with towns and municipalities. Sometimes our customers are business customers, like hospitals, schools, things like that. Um, And then, as I mentioned, with our anti-racism and social justice type of work, we also seek to influence others in our industry to follow suit with the work that we're doing. 
So there okay. are a few different layers of, of audiences that we address in our work. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, different layers of audiences. And on this podcast, we talk a lot about that, in fact, that it's, it's so important to start with the audience and really segment your audience and understand which channels are going to engage a particular segment, what kind of content, and so on. How do you understand the term engagement? What does an engaged audience look like to you? I love that word because I think it matters just as much from my perspective, anyway, it matters just as much for the audience as it, as it matters within your company to keep your employees engaged, because I think it's kind of a, a virtuous cycle. But in speaking about the audience engagement, to me, it means that you're not just hitting them up to basically buy your product or service. You're keeping them passionate about how you're contributing to their lives, keeping them passionate about what you're bringing to them, keeping them interested in hearing from you and interested in maintaining a long-term relationship with you. And the engagement factor of that for me is how do you consciously and consistently build ways to keep bringing value to them, even if it's not always about bringing a new product or service to them at a certain point. Okay, great. Now we're going to dive in, into our main topic here. Um, and that is, I came across on LinkedIn something that you posted about a discrepancy in marketing, which I thought was really interesting. Namely, that while the majority of marketers are female, most CMOs and marketing professors are male. So first of all, why do you think that is? And second of all, why does it matter when it comes to audience engagement? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd like to caveat what I'm about to say by saying um, I can speak from my own lived experience and what I've seen and observed, and there are certainly professionals out there who are social scientists and have tons of data on these things. So, um, And I don't mean to be speaking for every woman by any, by any means, but sure. I can say what I've experienced and what, I, what my perspective is. I think that when you ask why is it this way, the, at the highest level, there's a systemic societal issue that I think we've become even more aware of in the past year in in this country at least where I believe that we have more of an understanding about um, how power and authority and even financial power have been um, created and distributed in our society and there is at this point still a very still a strong preference and a strong um reality that men and masculine types of people hold most of the power. That's kind of a systemic issue. For me, it's not just as a marketer that I see that. I see that as a woman in the world. I see it as a, a person of color. I see it as an environmentalist and an activist. I see it um, as an immigrant and from the Caribbean. So I think in every segment of life that we that is a reality um, in our current state of society. I think in the professional world, why I think that is, I mean, my understanding is that close to 80% of C-suite positions are held by men and um, less than 20% are held by women. And I think about 4% of that 20% are women of color. So if 80% of the those in, with decision-making authority and those who are hiring and those who are creating the organizations 
that they have the power and finances to create, if all those people are of a certain demographic, then because of our own sub subconscious implicit biases, we gravitate towards, for the most part, choosing, preferring, trusting, feeling more comfortable with people who are like ourselves. So at the highest level, that there's that kind of continuation of that cycle of, um, I've certainly had men who are advocates for me and who are, you know, at the highest levels of organizations I've worked with, have, you know, I've, I've asked them, why did you choose that person for that job? Um, and they'd say, well, because I really like them. And then I'd say, well, there's someone else who's more qualified, who's not that person. But subconsciously, this it ha it just it's just the way it is that, as humans. And so... If we examine who holds power currently and who holds those positions of leadership, um, that just influences what, who they elevate and how they elevate it. I think beyond that, those are broader realities in any organization and any element of society, I believe, in American society anyway. Um, but I think there are some unique things about marketing because, for instance, um, I think it's above 60%, but somewhere between 60 and 75% of women in different fields are, sorry, 60 to 75% of marketers are women, but less than 50% of CMOs are women. So I think something that's unique about marketing is that we just have a lot more women in the field, and therefore, shouldn't we have a lot more CMOs in the, leading those women, or a lot more what I consider feminine types of people leading those women? Mm -hmm. um, another thing that I have some other observations, but they're not, they're just theories. I have, I mean, like when I made that post, it's because I'm thinking about these things and trying to solve them, trying to question things myself. But there are a couple other data points that I see that I haven't quite come to a good conclusion about what they mean. But one thing I've observed in my career is often CMOs or marketers in general often get dictated by a CEO or other leaders in the company. Hey, I want you to go do this thing. I think we should, I think you should really design it this way, or I think we should run this kind of campaign, or you should put so-and-so in this webinar or something. And I think that other um, leaders seem to have a, a perspective of marketing where Maybe people think everyone can do it and it's just kind of like make this nice ad or something and it sort of removes the power of the strategist and, and the data-driven aspect of the marketer who is leading that organization and making those strategic decisions based on marketing expertise. I haven't quite figured out why that is with marketing just yet, but it's something, if you know, I'm happy to listen, but it's something I've definitely seen in organization after organization. Um, and I also read along those lines, I read recently that um, we talked about that about 80% of CEOs are men. I also read in a totally different paper that about 80% of CEOs are unhappy with their CMOs. And mm. um, I don't think there was any gender bias to that. I think it was just generally about CMOs. And to me, that ties in with that point where I was saying that somehow we're in a field where people have... Um, a lot, they're a lot more opinionated about the effectiveness of, of marketing, and I'm not sure why that is. And I, I wonder if it's because we need to be more aggressive with our data, or if um, I still 
I'm still thinking through it. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing that I have that is unique to marketing that I have been observing is that I've read a couple other studies where I think this was a Forbes study, and they were they were trying to analyze male versus female CMOS and see what the differences were. Um, the good news is that. In terms of C-level executives, there are more CMOs that are female than other C-suite roles, and it's rising over time. So that is good. On the other hand, um, when they looked at the differences between how male and female CMOs are perceived, one of the things that stood out to me about that study was that there was a part where they were assessing things like tone, analysis, something like communication style, there were four elements they were really comparing about these different leaders. And for the male leaders, their strength was that they were considered analytical from the CEO's perception, whereas their weakness was that they were considered arrogant. And for the female leaders, the strength that they cited most for female CMOs was that they were compassionate, and the weakness would be that they were inept. And so if you think about someone who's analytical versus compassionate, I mean, <clears throat> I've never had a review of my performance, excuse me. <clears throat> I've never had a review of my performance where how compassionate I was affected how I was judged on any of my deliverables. It may have mattered on the soft skills, and I certainly am, you know, particularly where I work now, our degree of emotional intelligence is appreciated in the organization, but it certainly doesn't benefit. Um, it certainly doesn't affect any of any of how I'm judged as a marketer. So women being judged by these things like their level of compassion, whereas men being judged by things like their level of analytics, which is something that CEOs relate to more, our, um, our style of leadership in general, with the current kind of power balances that we have, um, are that we're a lot more linear, we're a lot more individual, individualistic, we're a lot more analytical, um, so most leaders appreciate that much more than they might appreciate compassion in a leader. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really interesting. And to say, you know, the weakness of men being kind of that they were arrogant, but that's not usually something that people necessarily would get fired over. But if someone was perceived as inept, they certainly would. And I highly doubt that um, if those people were really given that data to look at again, that they would really be able to say that women were more inept than men are. But there is that perception. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. So I just want to make sure I understand. Uh, are you saying that according to this data that you're, that you're citing, that CEOs perceive uh, female CMOs to be more compassionate as compared to men who are more analytical? Are you saying that's just the CEO's perception, but it's not necessarily true? Or do you think that there is some truth to that? I think that it is. And Bill, the study was about CEO perception, for uh-huh. sure. Um, I'm not citing my own opinion. I'm citing theirs. But sure. um, I don't, I don't, I, I cannot say that I have seen, and I certainly am not someone, you know, I, I am quite stringent about my own data and analysis. And I've not been in an organization where we weren't strict about the analysis and data that we provided, but I do think that some of our 
data and analysis and marketing is really difficult for others to explain, to understand, because they're only looking at, they only care about a certain portion of that data. They only care about a few metrics and not a lot of the others that then lead into that. I don't know if that's perhaps part of it. Um, I don't believe, I know that I've read in many places that a masculine style of leadership or a masculine style of working is more analytical and logical and a feminine style is more empathetic and collaborative. I don't think those things are exclusive though. I don't think that because someone is more intuitive that they just don't, they will not be analytical. <clears throat> so I don't, I don't really want to comment on that because I don't, I haven't really seen it myself. I don't sure. believe I embody it myself. I can't say that I've had some great CMOs that I've worked for. Some were male and some were female. And I didn't see much difference in gender, except I will say that I saw that my male CMOs were just more respected by their peers. And mm -hmm. they were one of the boys. And they didn't treat us any. I don't think I was ever treated differently by a male CMO than a female CMO. But it was a little easier to work under them because they didn't have to fight as hard mm. to get what they needed okay. or to be respected. So... What might having more female CMOs, uh, more women in positions of leadership and marketing generally, what would that bring to these roles that you think is currently missing or that we need more of? Yeah, I think um, there are a few ways to answer that. One is that, in general, diversity of all kinds breeds a stronger product offering, breeds a stronger organization. There's, there have been study after study that has shown that um, diverse, diversifying your leadership and your staff bring you more profitability. It brings you um, more adaptability for the organization. Um, and it brings you higher employee retention and satisfaction. That isn't just unique to gender diversity. It, it's also it is also related to all forms of diversity, ethnicity, disabilities, country of origin, et cetera. Um, there's that. So there's, there, there's that business success. That's something that I think that having more female leadership at all will bring and more diversity at all will bring. Another thing is that having, um, having more representative leadership for the marketers so that they can um, have leadership that resonates with them. And I, again, in my own experience, I didn't feel any differently that, about having a male leader than a female. And I would say if I did, but I didn't. Um, but I do think that it is important to create pathways for people so that they can see, I have a possibility of becoming a leader here. I won't be shut or elsewhere. I won't be shut down. I won't have to fight harder to go uphill. There's no stronger preference for a male than female. I think that's a that's an important thing to create for the younger generations of everyone, but we're talking about marketers here. Mm -hmm. There's that. Um, I also think having more female executives in general just brings a greater strength to your organization. Many organizations right now are trying so hard to be much, either to appear to be or to actually be more conscious in how they're doing their business, to appear to be or actually be more socially responsible. Um, everyone and their mom last year put out some sort of statement about their diversity initiatives and things, and some people are really living and breathing that. And actually creating those, 
creating those roles for people. And this one's a shoe in because there's so many female marketers. It's not like there are some roles where it used to be, oh, there aren't that many female at one point, there aren't that many female scientists, so I couldn't find a good fit. There's no way you can say you can find a qualified female CMO. There's an abundance of them. Um, so there's that cultural thing. There's your business benefit. Um, there's just strengthening what you're taking to the market, I believe, by having a more diverse workforce and diverse leadership. Those are some of the things on my mind about what that would, what that would bring. Mm-hmm. Also, sorry, one more thing is yeah. female le- female leadership styles. I don't think just women, but feminine, I call it feminine ways of working, feminine leadership styles are naturally more collaborative. And I say that because there are men who are like this as well. Probably a lot of men in marketing that I've worked with are not probably a lot of men in, in marketing I've worked with are, or in product marketing or product management. They're naturally more empathetic. They're naturally more collaborative. They're naturally more um communicative and to me that breeds a much healthier organization a lot of organizations that i've seen are trying to enhance their leadership style break out of their old kind of patriarchal ways of leadership i've seen executive after executive getting training from consultant after consultant and how to be a good leader and sometimes i'm kind of like oh you have to pay someone to teach you to be empathetic when you have all these people here who are already quite empathetic and quite collaborative and naturally embody those things. So the more you can integrate that and value it as highly as other attributes are valued, to me benefits the culture, the products that are created and how you take them to market. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, um, that women say a, a female CEO or in your case, a female VP, uh, when it comes to audience engagement, do you think that there's a female perspective on that that's important that is provides insights into in, into your audience that that's really important for achieving that kind of deep engagement that you might not have that you might miss if if you don't have if you don't have more women in those roles. In other words, another way of putting that is there's something about a female perspective that's unique and and uniquely valuable to make uh, as a way of making a business case for well we, the if, if we want to engage our audience we need to have a diversity of people in that role because they're bringing different ways of thinking about engagement strategies yeah i mean again it's not ex- I don't want to speak for all women, and I certainly don't want to say that all women are X, Y, or Z, but research has, again, shown that um, a more feminine style of leadership and working, which more women embody that feminine style than men, are indeed more empathetic. And what does that mean? It doesn't just mean that you care. It means you can sit in that other person's shoes and understand what they care about. So to me, that means... As someone whose job it is, is to influence others to make a decision, your job is to get an audience passionate about your brand. Your job is to get them loyal towards your brand. Your your job is to influence them to purchase and to come back and to be a promoter for you. If you are able to truly and authentically be empathetic and sit in their shoes, then you're more likely to succeed at your job, in my opinion. the other aspect of that is just that, um, you know, 
the word tribe is in the name of your podcast and who is your tribe? If you're talking about the U.S. public, it's half of the population that are women. I would think that being representative of half of the population would help you to be able to connect with that, with that 50% of the population better. And not to mention just um, the other part of the population who may be more feminine in their qualities or the more um, fluid pieces of our population that swim across both sides. And, you know, I don't want to I don't want to misspeak and, and represent too much rigid duality about gender, but we are having to do that in this conversation. Sure. So the 50% of women being our population, about 50%, it might be a teensy bit more, 50 point something. Um, also, I think about 70 to 80% of consumer business decisions are either owned or heavily, heavily influenced by women. So if we're not making our marketing, the more and more we target our marketing to influence the decision makers and the influencers, I mean, that's part of the analysis of marketing is to understand your, your decision makers and understand your influencers. And this is a reality of who they are. So the more we can, again, understand them and then be able to be representative and be able to bring the diversity of thought and the diversity of representation to meet those women that affects your engagement as well. Mm -hmm. So I want, I want, that's interesting what you just said. I want to make sure I understand. So you're saying that 80%, I think you said, of uh, business decisions are being made by women. Was that your point? I'm, not, I'm sorry, not business decisions, buying decisions. Consumer ah, okay, buying, buying decisions. decisions. Okay, and you mean just among consumers generally, and therefore it it makes sense to have a diversity of people in marketing who are engaging those decision makers, at least understanding them. Yes. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's a stereotype, I think, of a male or a female sensibility that women are, as we've already been talking about, considered to be more empathetic compared to men, and I think uh, as part of that women are often thought to be better at listening, better listeners, which I think is a crucial part of audience engagement and a crucial part of, of marketing generally, right? You have to, in order to engage your audience, in order to really understand your audience, you have to listen carefully to your audience with a very open mind, which I think would also suggest that although it's a stereotype, Sometimes there's, there's often at least a grain of truth. In my lived experience, I find women are often better listeners, a little more patient, more interested in what other people have to say compared to men. That would seem to me to be an advantage in marketing, especially when it comes to engaging an audience. Yeah, I think there's data that shows that. I don't think it's just a stereotype. Um, I think there's data that shows the compassion, the listening, the collaboration of women, but also I'm just I'm just saying that it, it's women and also a feminine type of person because there are sure. men who are like that as well. So I I don't know that it's a stereotype as scientifically backed research, but it also shouldn't exclude others who are not women but who have those feminine ways of working or that that emotional sensibility. And I. I don't think it's a naturally occurring, this is my opinion now, some mm -hmm. things I'm saying, I know I've researched and whatnot, but this is my opinion. 
I don't think that's a naturally occurring um, set of qualities that are that you're born with. I think we're kind of cultivated that way in our societies. You know, I think for the most part, men are taught to use their emotions and their intuition to segment themselves, to cut this piece of the, themselves off and, and not live based on that part of themselves, to, to cultivate more of the individualistic approach, to cultivate more of only analysis and not, not your, these softer things we're talking about. And I think women, today's women, are being taught to do both. I think there has been a shift where women were kind of also taught to kind of stay out of these things back in the day. And I mean, I certainly have had mentors and bosses who have told me stories that in their time when they were like the only woman on their team and they've had to like climb up on the table and yell at people so that they would get listened to. Mm -hmm. That certainly isn't the reality I've been in. And we stand on the shoulders of those women and their male allies who've progressed us to this point. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, women, t women are encouraged to have a different type of emotional health, communication, well-being with each other, with others. Um, that even, I don't want to take us down a rabbit hole, but if you look even at mental health types of statistics, men don't generally have those deep emotional support systems that women have because they're, I think they're not taught to deeply and emotionally communicate, talk about their vulnerabilities, talk about talk about things in general other than the facts and logic. I think that's part of our societal upbringing. And um, the more we allow our both genders and everything in between to be whole people and to use both sets of strengths, the more these, just this conversation we're having now wouldn't have to exist. Mm -hmm. I'd read a quote, um, I'm pretty sure it was Gloria Steinem. I'd read a quote not that long ago and you know she was saying something like, like the fight for gender equality will go away when there aren't those differences in priorities for genders anymore. When someone doesn't have more power over another because of gender, then we'll just totally stop talking about gender. Mm -hmm. And I think to some degree, we're getting there in some ways. We certainly are making progress, but we still have work to do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would be happy to keep this conversation going because there's so much to talk about. It's so interesting, but we've covered a lot of ground already. So I want to try to sum it up a little bit. Um, final thoughts, Sophia, based on your experience in marketing, your role as, as VP of marketing, what's something that our listeners could start putting into practice right away to improve how they engage their audiences? Mm -hmm. Um. Are you, I just want to clarify, are you asking that in light of the topic we're talking about today or just in general about how to improve engagement? Well, you know, it's really up to you. I mean, I guess it would make sense to tie it to what we've been talking about, but you don't have to. Yeah, I have a few thoughts about that. One is actually this coming Monday is International Women's Day. And um, the theme that they've selected for this year for International Women's Day is to challenge when you see when you see acts of discrimination happening in your workplace or wherever, that you are courageous enough to call it out or to support someone else calling it out so you can have that conscious conversation to keep progress happening. I think that's something that 
we should all aspire to do, but sure, marketers can aspire to do that since that's who we're talking to now. I also think that marketers have a ton of power because we hold this influential position where we can bring a lot of information in from the marketplace into our organization. We can feed product decisions, we can feed cultural decisions, and feed what is going out into the world and then how we talk about it. We may feel that we just own how we talk about it, but we can control and inform a lot of that conversation. And I think that we should use those powers of the data that we can provide, the level of influence that we can provide to give our tribes the types of products and the types of communication they're looking for. I keep hearing from, like I'm in the middle of a bunch of focus groups right now, and I keep hearing from people like, we don't want to hear catchy statements anymore. We just want really transparent products. We want really transparent language. We are really, people are looking for those more. Younger generations are not looking for um, anything to be sugar-coated. They want, they have much, much less of a consumerism um, identity to them than their prior two generations. And they're looking for products and services that fit with their lifestyle. I think Mm -hmm. marketers have control and influence over all of those things and the more diverse your marketing team and the more diverse your organization, the more you can be successful at using those different elements of power that you have. Absolutely. Great advice. Well, Sophia, thank you so much for uh, a great and truly engaging conversation. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.